Hey everyone, I'm Devin Shelton. I'm Mackenzie Smith. And I'm Keita Kakola. We are three women of color working, drinking, and laughing our way through life in South Korea. And you're listening to our podcast, Messy Korean Diaries. The opinions and experiences expressed in this podcast are solely our own and do not reflect the thoughts, feelings, or experiences of anyone other than ourselves. Also, our content is not intended to generalize Korean citizens or culture. So this is our first episode, Great Expectations. Um, our podcast is basically just the three of us talking about our lives here in South Korea, um, particularly through a lens of women of color. And so we wanted to address that and also just talk about a little bit of our experiences here teaching. So I guess we should just get into who we are. Uh, my name is Devin. I am from kind of all over the place, but I'm going to claim Philadelphia because that's way better than Ohio. Uh, and I have been teaching for about seven years back home in the States and here in South Korea. This is my first year in Asia, so I'm really excited. And we've been here for about two and a half months and I think it's going well so far. What about you, Kide? What is your background? Well, I'm from... A mix of Pennsylvania and New York, specifically Brooklyn and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, I just graduated college, so this is all fresh for me. And I had a little bit of teaching experience in the city, but right now this is my first time out of the country and first time in Asia, so I'm really excited to be on this journey fresh off the... Proverbial boat? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Mackenzie? (laughs) Yeah, so I'm Mackenzie. I am from San Diego, California, a few other places as well. I was a Navy child, but San Diego is definitely my home. Uh, Just like Kide, I am fresh out of college. I have lived abroad before, and I always knew I wanted to kind of live my life outside of the United States as quickly as possible, so I was very excited to move to Korea once I graduated. I've been here before and I'm very much infatuated with the Korean language, which was a huge deciding factor in me actually moving here. I visited before, liked the lifestyle a lot, and here I am. And I can't wait to see what is to come. We had a cute little niche where we were all three years apart exactly, but then you, Mackenzie, had to go and turn 22 on us. So we no longer have that going for us. And... Please don't use that to now count up our ages and try and determine how old I am because I will uh, take you to court. So since our podcast is called Messy Korean Diaries, we want to start each episode uh, with a little vignette, a little story, a messy moment of the week, if you will. And since we're talking about great expectations and how it's the beginning of our journey here, I thought I would tell you guys about uh, the beginning of my journey, specifically the flight to Korea. So this is my, I want to say, fourth or fifth time out of the country, out of the USA. And so I I consider myself like a fairly well-organized traveler. Like I know what I'm doing, I'm pretty like put together. I get to the airport, it's just like routine now. So (laughs) we are going to the airport on the day that I'm supposed to leave and uh, we get there, 
it's three hours from my house. So I drove from Cincinnati, Ohio, where I was living at the moment, to Cleveland, Ohio. And um, my dad is taking me because I'm leaving my car there with him. We get all the way to Cleveland, Ohio, get up to the registration desk, and they can't find my ticket. Mind you, I have, I've been there maybe like two hours ahead of time, as any good traveler will be. And so uh, they're pulling up my ticket and they're asking around. And I double check my email. I'm like, why can't they find my ticket? They're like, there's no plane leaving to Korea from this airport. So this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh at me. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> so I'm just like, what is happening? Apparently, uh, I went to the wrong airport two hours before my flight and was supposed to leave. So, like, how far away was the correct airport? <laughs> the correct airport was two hours back the opposite direction. So I had no way possible of getting there in time right. um, to catch this flight. Like, freaking out and just in shock of how I could have possibly made this rookie mistake and so we're asking like is there anything that you can do can you like book me on another flight a later flight at that airport this airport and so they're making phone calls and I have to say thank you to the people behind the desk because they were so kind and so polite I think the woman's name was Deborah. you're the real MVP uh I still remember her name two and a half months later because she was making calls but she's calling people and so they are on the phone and she's just saying, is there anything that we can do? And she comes back to me with some figures, some numbers, like this is how much it's going to run you. I'm thinking, mm -hmm. okay, maybe like 100, 200 to change the flight. They're like, oh, you can get a new flight, but it's going to cost you $13,000. 13000 Not $1,300. Uh. $13,000. <laughs> In what world? <laughs> I was, just, I was awestruck. I was just like, there's no way that this is possible. And so that is how I started my journey. Obviously, we got it situated. I was able to book a different flight. I ended up going on my phone myself and finding a flight and just um, being like, hey, this one is leaving from this airport. Can we switch it to this one instead? And they made it work somehow. It was only, I think, maybe... $200 more okay, than okay. the, like, that thousand bucks that I already blew on this flight. Oh, my God. 13 But, <laughs> so then we had to then go back and drive the two hours to the, the, the real airport because that airport did not fly to where it needed to go. I think our layover, my first layover was in, supposed to be in L.A., but then because of having to change it, I had a layover in Arizona uh, to so Cincinnati to Arizona, Arizona to LA, LA to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Korea. So that was the beginning of my journey. So my expectations were already shattered on day negative one, not even day one, day negative one. So that just leads us into the topic of our podcast today and how a lot of things that you expect will go one way usually end up going the other way. 
my journey coming to Korea uh, was way smoother than yours, Devin. <laughs> I mean, it was my first flight, um, first time going anywhere that wasn't like a drivable distance. So um, luckily, my family was leaving for France the same night that my flight was going to Korea. So I had them like shepherd me through the airport and tell me what to do and where to go. I even got to the security checkpoint. I was like, is this where we take off our shoes? First flight ever. That's bold. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was definitely like worried that something would go wrong, but because it just so happened, everything aligned and I was able to leave with my family. Like I didn't have any issues at the airport. I got on the right plane, everything was fine. And I don't know. Maybe as we're taking off, I had that moment of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I need to get off this plane <laughs> and go home. What am I doing? Like, like you said, like it's a bold move going from one country with like a culture that you're familiar with and then just going halfway across the world for the first time. It was a huge transition. So my expectation from that moment was, okay, I'm going to be completely homesick for the first like... I don't know, half of the year that I'm going to be here. Like, I'm just never going to transition or adjust to being in a new country. And the reality is that I haven't had any issues with that, actually. Um, within the two months that I've been here, I definitely miss my family and friends, but I am thoroughly enjoying Korea. I'm thoroughly enjoying the Korean people and the friends that I've made and the experiences that I've had. Um, I'm enjoying learning the language, eating the food, traveling. It's been great. It really has. And I'm sure somewhere down the road, like, it'll hit me where I'm like, wow, I am homesick and I miss America. But <laughs> right now, mm, I'm doing pretty well. How are you handling that, Mackenzie? Because you have been to Korea before, yeah, right? How absolutely. long were you here? I was here for about a month when I visited last year. I mean, in addition to that, I lived overseas when I was a child. I lived in Spain. I went to public Spanish school, didn't speak any Spanish. So, like... I'm very much used to the language barrier thing. Uh, I went to college in New York, even though my family was in California, so I'm used to not seeing them a lot. So honestly, the transition has been like nothing for me. When I visited here last, it was so sad for me to leave. This was a place that I really clicked with the lifestyle a lot, um, and just little mannerisms and things just came really naturally to me. Um, and again, like I loved learning the language. It was just really exciting. So. Uh, moving here, I definitely just kind of expected to love it, and I absolutely do 100%. I will say one of the things you look forward to the most when it comes to um, teaching, at least for me, is that idea of like, wow, I'm going to have a new home, and it's going to be my new apartment in South Korea that's paid for by my school. Mm -hmm. I was literally shopping online for like bedding and decorations from like when I was still in school. Like when I hadn't been placed in a city yet, but I had passed my interview to come here. Um, so I was mostly just excited to like have this wonderful apartment where I got to hang out and study Korean. Like, I don't know, just be cozy and have, have my own, own space. space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have my own space. Exactly. So that was my big expectation actually was that I was going to be a homebody a bit. Um, because in my mind, like, you know, you're a foreigner in this new country and it's intimidating to go out all the time. It's a little difficult to make friends, but um, I'm honestly never home, <laughs> which is like really? such a big shock to me. Like I'm out every single day, rarely home. 
Um, it's kind of a gift and a curse. It's nice because I'm an extrovert. I kind of need that social interaction to like feel okay and to be happy. But at the same time, like, you know, I have this great apartment. Like I'd like to take advantage of it. I'm not studying Korean as much as I'd like to. So recently I've been trying to make more time to just be at home and just kind of chill by myself and do the things I need to do. And it's been nice. But yeah, I'm definitely, I guess, taking more advantage of being here than I thought I would. That's the upside, I would yeah. say. I think to circle back to what Kide was talking about along the lines of homesickness, I I also have lived out of the country before, and so I didn't really think that I would experience any homesickness. I normally don't when I'm out of the country. Like you said, when you left Korea the first time, you were more kind of upset about leaving there. That's yeah, how I absolutely. felt Yeah, when I was leaving um, <coughs> Ireland. And I, I, like, it broke my heart because I didn't know when I was going to be able to come back. So that was the hardest thing. But I went through this weird phase here for, like, I want to say maybe the first month where, like, at least once a day, every day, only for, like, ten minutes at a time, it would, like, hit me. I'm like, oh, I live in Korea. (laughs) And, like, for the first five minutes of that ten minutes, I'd be like, that's awesome. I live in Korea. This is so cool. And then for like the last five minutes of it, I'd be like, I live in Korea. This freaking sucks. <laughs> I want to go oh home. I miss my animals. I miss my family. And it only lasted that brief period of time, but it was just really weird for me because I had never experienced it before. But I think I also agree with you on the, the home body thing. I think I'm more of a homebody here. Than I thought I would be. I think it ha- it comes down to the the fact that my apartment is so small, so I like can't have people over oh, as much yeah. as I would like to. So when I'm home, I'm just like by myself, introverted, and I'm like finding myself hermiting a little I bit see. here. But like you think that my small apartment would make me want to like get out a little <laughs> bit more. But I just feel like I'm in a weird location where I'm like, eh, if I want to so go awkward. anywhere, I have to like yeah. take a bus <laughs> yeah. for 30 minutes to that see any true. of my friends. Yes. Yeah, very true. But definitely, it can't be spontaneous. It has no. to be like a planned event. Absolutely. Um, I think Mackenzie and I have more leeway because we're so much closer to yeah. like downtown. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little more yeah. accessible, but yeah. I definitely don't feel it leading to the like isolation that I thought so, would happen yeah. though. I thought making friends here would kind of be because I'm I've been in the outside of college the real world I'm doing air quotes right now (laughs) for context the real world for a little bit longer so I found that in professional life it's much harder to make genuine friends like in college they just are kind of like thrown at you it's really easy to make friends you're engaging in like similar uh, professional um, engagements and like similar hobbies so it's really f- easy to find it's different people networking. Yeah. yeah it's really easy to network actually in in korea no in college. in college yeah versus the real world mm-hmm. so when i got here i was thinking it was going to be more like what i had experienced it experienced post-grad right. which was it was harder to make those bonds mm-hmm. um in a professional just career setting because you can go out and try and meet people but that's 
difficult because most people already have their niches. And I had just moved to a new city. I think that also played a part of it. Um, and then at work, you either like find a couple people that you bond with or you don't. So I thought it was gonna gonna, gonna be the same thing here, but I was pleasantly surprised because it literally just turned into college 2.0. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That orientation. So we came here with a program called EPIC, English Program in, in Korea. Korea. Yeah. And so they hosted a week-long orientation for us. And it really, I think, helped with the networking. It's, that's how we all met each other. Uh, for the most part, me and Mackenzie didn't meet there. I didn't meet many people at Orient. I mean, we met, but... I was kind of that, like, douchey lord who was like, this is ten days, like, I'm never gonna see these people again. Like, you know, that was kind of my thought process. Yeah. Okay. I did make one really good friend there. Um, like, she was, like, my rock at orientation. We were together every day. And then I made the rest of my friends when I got here. <laughs> and it worked out fine. <laughs> we were all, so they put us in a classroom where we were with the same people for the entire week because we were all going to go to the same city. So even though we were in the same classroom, like I think, Mackenzie, you sat right in front of me and Kide. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't interact with you mm, really no. until we got to Ulsan. But you guys interacted a little, and then yeah, me and yeah. Kide, we interact, we instantly bonded yeah. because we have all these really freaky, weird <laughs> similarities. We were also um, partners during yeah. the like lesson demo prep. Mackenzie and I met during a really funny time, actually, because what I remember from orientation of Mackenzie is just the back of her head. Like, I never seen her, like, really speak to anyone in class, never saw her move at all. It was just the back (laughs) of her head. (laughs) I was, I was just having an out-of-body experience that whole orientation. Like, my conscious was just waiting for it to end, and my body was doing all the work for it, basically. We had like our first interaction I believe um, on the field trip day where we got (laughs) we got seated together and I don't know I think we both had the same feelings about the field trip oh yeah just like okay we're here we're doing this but like whatever like all my friends were on the other bus yeah it was that yeah we definitely yeah we bonded because we didn't have our friends it was the stars aligning it was (laughs) serendipity if you will for you Kide to say oh I'm from like I live in New York and for me to say oh I went to this university right. and for you to say I went to that university yeah. <laughs> for us to find for me and Kide to find out that we have an insane amount of mutual friends yeah. what a beautiful moment like, for us I'm not trying to turn this into a competition <laughs> but ours is very similar yeah. which is why I think it's like crazy that yeah. we've become so close because we got me and Kide got paired together uh, sitting in the same seat, we were wearing the same outfit <laughs> on the denim first dress, day. Yeah, we yeah. were both wearing denim dresses. We both had our froze out, like mm-hmm. our afros out. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting next to each other, and then we had that same moment of like, oh, you're from Harrisburg? I'm also from Harrisburg. <laughs> like, we both went to high school in the same city. Like, our football teams definitely played, played each other. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't go to the same school, but we lived in the same yeah. city. So yeah. I think you lived probably more in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah, and I lived in the hood. I lived in the trap. <laughs> but, um, and then there was something else. We're both left-handed. Yeah. Um, 
There was like four or like five things. There was so much. It was really kismet and weird and freaky. And then for that also to happen with you two. And then I think we've also kind of, it's not on the same level, but but just like personality wise, I feel like we've clicked. We have somewhat similar backgrounds too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So that's a different story. (laughs) That's another episode, but absolutely very similar backgrounds. For sure. I think our social circle is, like, pretty strong. I, like, am so happy to have met all of you. And that's basically what, like, I was talking about. I thought it was going to be this isolating, awkward experience, like, trying to fight to find friends. And don't get me wrong, the icebreakers and, like, the first couple days of orientation were a little awkward. They were rough. It was, like, freshman year all over again. But once you kind of found your group, your niche. You got through it. Which kind of brings me to my point, this wonderful friend group that I adore. You guys have been amazing to me for the past two and a half months, but you are not necessarily the friend group I expected, uh, because you're all foreigners, just like me. (laughs) And I thought I was going to come here and have these Korean friends who hung out with me because I was foreign and wanted to learn English, and I was going to you know, just kind of leech some Korean off of them, and we were going to have a great time, and it was going to be a shallow friendship, but I truly only have foreign friends here, really. There are a couple of um, Korean teachers at my schools that I hang out with, um, but for the most part, like, it's you guys, and it's awesome. Um, Definitely, like, my strongest friendship is our friend who lives 10 minutes away from me walking. That would also be the reason I'm always out of my house is because, you know, I kind of have someone to do something with all the time. Um, which I think coming into it, I was really scared about being that person who only hangs out with other Americans or Canadians or Irish people. But now that I'm actually experiencing this, I'm so happy to have this really solid supportive group of people who are experiencing the same successes and highs as me and who have similar, if not if not similar, then who are just also in general experiencing lows and rough patches and things. Um, It's nice to know that we're all there for each other and can kind of talk each other through that stuff. So honestly, this is one that turned out better than I expected. Yeah, it's definitely nice to have a community of um, people who know what you're going through because it it is a big, I think, transition. Like, no matter what, you're going to kind of have things that only people who are going through the same thing are going to be able to identify with and so it is nice to have that community I think yeah it's definitely great um the friend group that we have and the community that we're able to provide for each other uh it's it's instrumental I think it's like part of our experience here I didn't really give much thought to making Korean friends actually not in like an active sense Mm -hmm. kind of like oh if it happens it happens Um, so far, I will admit, like, I've been a little disappointed because almost every Korean that I do befriend, they're like, oh, can you teach me English? And I'm like, it's kind of my day job. Like, I would (laughs) appreciate my off time to be off time, you know, but, um, just fit socially. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, having fun and not having to worry about explaining myself every five seconds or just, I don't know, like the whole correcting thing gets a little weird too. 
Um, it's not ideal, is what yeah. it comes down to. It's not. And I'm sure eventually I will make friends. Like, I feel like I do have coworkers that I can consider them my friends because we're, like, we actually talk about, like, Netflix and we talk about pop culture and we have um, a really, we have a really uh, great banter and, I don't know, like, repertoire of things to talk about. But also, I was not really giving much thought to making friends in Korea just on the whole notion of being black. And I really expected coming to Korea that I would experience a lot more racism or prejudice than I do in the United States, simply because in the United States, like, we're exposed to so many different people and cultures and ethnicities that, yes, there is racism and prejudice, but it's not... It's, it's very, like, blatant. You know who is and you know who isn't. Whereas Korea... They don't have that much exposure to um, foreigners, so I was worried that I would be experiencing a lot of racism and prejudice, and the reality of that is, so far, I haven't had any, like, stares or jeers. There was an incident <laughs> this past weekend that changed that, but honestly, I, I mean, yes, I do get stared at by, like, really, really young kids. They're just kind of shocked at, like, oh my gosh. And I'll get stared at by older people, um, and then I just kind of smile, and I'm just like, um, they'll smile back, and they'll, you know, they'll say like, nay, or and, um, and that's kind of really been it. Everyone who's Korean, and I've interacted with who hasn't had, like, exposure to foreigners, they're pretty, um, they get over their shock pretty quickly, I would say. Good. Actually, I have a co-teacher who, for my third graders, before my introduction, when we first got here, she spent a good 10 minutes speaking to them in Korean about skin color. Ooh. I have no idea to this day what she said, but <laughs> every single class, she seemed to lay down some type of groundwork for these third graders so they would know like what is right and what is not right to say. And I've never had an issue with them. Now, yeah. I do have a fifth grade class where every time I walked in, they would say, oh, Wakanda forever. And <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was just like, really? Uh, Even really? I have a kid who like thought my name was Wakanda for the first couple of weeks. We're I think at, we've all gotten the Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah. We're at Makandi right now, so we're getting there. <laughs> but, oh. Wakanda, McKinsey. Uh, not even close. He's working his way. No, he really is. Like, he's made, we've made progress. It gets better every week. So, I have to circle back to what you said at the beginning mm. when, Kide, when you were talking about in America you kind of know who is and who isn't racist and then like coming here you were unsure of the way it works. To me I feel like it's the opposite. Like in America I feel like it's so deeply ingrained that there are people who are just like, oh no, I'm not racist but then go and then do some of the most racist things. Um, oh. And here, I think that it comes down to a lack of exposure yeah. uh, because this is the most homogeneous population in the world. Like, everyone, quote unquote, who lives in Korea is Korean. Like, the expat culture or the immig immigrant culture is getting bigger every year. Um, but for the most part, the, the racism here. Um, it's, it's it comes from ignorance mm -hmm. and in in the sense of lack of education um, and lack of representation or diversity here. Um, whereas I feel like the racism in America comes from hate. 
It's prejudice. It's, it's prejudice. genuine prejudice. Yeah, it's genuine yeah. hate. And so I felt, I had my mom questioning me a lot of times. She was like, why would you want to go there? Why would you want to go to a place where they, like, still do blackface, which happens here in Korea, but it also happens in America. Why would you want to go to a place where you're hearing these negative things that are happening to women of color? And I'm like, well, because here... I feel like people are upfront with it. If they are going to be prejudiced to you, they're just going to be like, no, you're black, go away. Like, Whereas in America, people are sneaky about it. People are underhanded about it. Um, now, I don't think it's an excuse by any means. I'm the biggest proponent of like ignorance is not an excuse, especially in this country where they have like the fastest internet in the world. And like, if you're curious or interested in something, all you have to do is... Uh, Google it, or as they do here in Korea, neighbor it. But, you know, some this is a society that has come up so quickly, uh, economically, but still has deep-rooted traditions. So I think at, while it's getting better, I think it's going to take people like us coming here and showing them that we are not the stereotypes that they see from Western media. Absolutely. And I mean, even with that, like, there's just a lot of stuff they don't learn about here. And a lot of um, our understandings of things that are wrong and why people are treated certain ways comes from us knowing the history of those things. And like, if you asked a Korean person what they knew about slavery in America, Korea's an old country. Yeah. They have so much of their own history to learn mm. compared to us in the U.S. where it's 200 <clears throat> years and we learn about some things that happen in the rest of the world, too, and we get a little dash of everything. Um, so, I mean, like, kids here don't know about the Holocaust. Like, there's just a lot of ignorance that goes on. Absolutely. Wow. But things I do, that we take for granted. Exactly. You know? Absolutely. Th knowledge that we have that almost feels like it would be common sense to know. Mm -hmm. It's not everywhere. Not everyone learns these things. I actually just today had it explained to um, one of the teachers at my school why I don't really like Thanksgiving and the history behind that. Yeah. Because she was like, oh, America's Thanksgiving is next week. And I was like, it is. I don't celebrate it. <laughs> and she yeah. was like, why? And I got into that. And then we talked about Black Friday. And um, as far as history goes, I definitely also had... Uh, another teacher came up to me, asked me if I was interested in history, and I said, not really. And he's like, oh, I just wanted to talk to you about things that Korea has in common with America. And I was like, like what? And he's like, like slavery. The Koreans were enslaved to the Japanese. Like the black men were enslaved. And I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, definitely like as this is like a tenant of part of our podcast is that this is ingrained in who we are. We are women of color. Like me and Mackenzie are mixed, but to the world, we don't present as white women. No. So we present to as anybody. Women. Yeah, to <laughs> anyone. So I think that's going to be not like a thing that we talk about every episode, but I think it's definitely going to be something that we delve deeper yeah, into. a recurring theme for yeah. sure. And there's so many things, I think, here in Korea that... Um, like I said earlier, like, watching YouTubes and things like that, I've been, like, warned against. Right. So, like, I know YouTube don't have maybe the same, didn't have or wouldn't have the same thoughts about this, but this was another thing of, like, being sort of um, othered in Korea or 
um, looked down upon as a plus size woman. Um, I was very expecting to be ridiculed and um, sort of made fun of, especially in like the school system where kids are mean, like I said earlier, and um, just being out in public, I expected a lot of stares. Now, I won't say I don't get stared at from time to time, but I think that's just because I look so foreign. I don't know. I can't pinpoint, I don't know, is it because I'm foreigner? Is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm plus size? Could be all three. But it's never come down to be like any really negative interaction that I've had yet. Actually, like the kids in my school are so sweet. They'll just be like, oh, teacher, beautiful, you're beautiful. I think I maybe had one where I was like showing them my Instagram, like my coat, not my children, not my students, but like my <laughs> co-teachers saw my Instagram and they're like, oh, did you get surgery? And I'm like, what? I got surgery to get, because I looked really good in my pictures. So I'm like, I got surgery to look uglier. Like, I don't know what you're trying to say. And then it was just like, oh, when did we get to see your beautiful face? And I was like, I put on makeup every day to come to this job. What do you want from me? <laughs> and that is not a usual routine for me. Like, working with children, I, don't, I would put on maybe back home a little bit of concealer, maybe some eyeliner to go to work just so I didn't look like a zombie. Here, I've kind of strayed a little bit as the weeks have gone on. But at the beginning, I was putting on a full face every day to go to work because I did not want to be ridiculed <laughs> for looking like a zombie, which I look like at 8 o'clock in the morning going to work. So I just found that people don't really care you know, like, they're just literally trying to live their lives like you and me. They don't really have time to concern themselves with nitpicking you. And if they do, they're probably just not that nice of a person. It's not, like, going to be the entire country coming after you. Yeah. I mean, to go off of that again, I have actually gotten comments about my weight, too. Um... Which, is, by the way, viewers or listeners... <laughs> Is ridiculous because she's tiny. Like <laughs> I'm she's short. tiny. I'm not super skinny. I'm not particularly large. I'm very in the middle. Um, I kind of always she's have tiny. <laughs> um, and my students, some of my third graders actually call me McDwedgy instead of McKenzie. That would translate to McPiggy uh, because they think I'm fat and they like to tell me that. Um, so I get McDwedgy and that my skin looks like poop. Which I'm not particularly dark either, so you're not. I don't you're know, like high I'm, yellow. <laughs> She's high I'm yellow. Like, yeah, absolutely. When we go out, people think I'm Thai or like from Brazil or something. <laughs> so like, it's very strange to be that I just happen to get landed yeah. with this one group, seven kids, seven kids who are just like they're just mean. They're like middle schoolers, just ruthless. Yeah, but they're particularly just bad kids, so it's, Third it's really, Third graders yeah. should not be that mean, though. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so interesting that that occurs, but, you yeah. know, it was also something that I mentally prepared for. You never know who you're going to run into. I was ready to get some kind of ridicule, so. Yeah, I am happy that I mentally prepared for it, I think, so that way it's better to be pleasantly surprised than, like, oh, yeah. violently upset. Yes. <laughs> So I'm, like, happy that I'm finding that it's not as bad or yeah. as hurtful as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
But at the same time, I had all of these, like, (gasps) walls and expectations, like, negative expectations put into place. And so I'm having to, like, find myself, peel those away. So that leads me to my next point where my anxiety has prepared me for everything that has not yet happened here and did not prepare me at all for what I like to call the nail shop effect. So I've grown up around so many different cultures, um, Spanish speakers, Vietnamese speakers, Korean speakers, um, where I grew up in Pennsylvania was just like very diverse. And so I was used to um, being around different languages and I'm, I don't consider myself an idiot who believes that anyone speaking a different language is somehow hostile or talking about them. Um, but here I found myself falling victim to what, like I said, is called the nail shop effect. Um, and I call it that because my aunt, who is very clearly a black woman, um, she would go and get her nails done at the Vietnamese nail shop back home. And, uh, I know it's a common conception when, at least in America for, some people, presumably the ones who are uh, more wall-friendly, they like to think that anyone speaking a different language automatically is speaking about them. But she would go get her nails done, and she actually speaks and understands fluent Vietnamese. And so there was one occasion where she's getting her nails done, and these women, presuming that she could not understand them, were talking about her in front of her face like saying horrible things about her race, about, oh, her hands are so big, da 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 just like very things that you should not be saying about someone, at least not in front of their face, like have some semblance of respect, you know? And so I've found myself here at work. I'll sit in the teacher's lounge and go and try and socialize and things like that but I'll maybe like talk to somebody for like five minutes here or there somebody will ask me a question um but then I'm very quickly absorbed back into my phone because they're having their own conversations and I don't expect them to cater to me and just speak English the whole time um but and I don't mind it, but then I very quickly, like, if I pick up on any little thing that I think might have to do with me or anything, I get really, really paranoid about, oh, are they talking about me? What are they saying about me? They're automatically, like, and automatically my mind goes to, like, some negative connotation, like, oh, they're talking about me right in front of my face, and I find myself getting worked up, and it's just, like really upsetting to me because that's not the kind of person that I thought that I was. I think it's more so coming out of a desire to want to connect and I can't, I can't communicate, I can't connect with them uh, because I don't know Korean yet. So I think it's just like causing me some anxiety. Have you guys, I know you Mackenzie probably haven't felt it as much because you can understand more Korean but I don't know if that's better or worse. Like some parts of me are like, oh, I kind of don't even want to learn it because if they are talking about me, do I even want to know it? I would know if they were saying something bad about me. I know that much. 
Um, and they aren't, so that's nice to know. I think that is definitely a thing here, though. Like, they're all about saving face, and, like, I think that they wouldn't really want to undermine their school's own English teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they at the very least know that regardless of where you're from, teaching is an important job and they think that anyone who does that kind of deserves respect of some kind. So they're not really going to go out of their way to talk about you until yeah. you're out of the country or yeah. not at school. So that's good. Hey, I don't mind if you talk about me, just don't do it to my face. Yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> as far as experiencing anything where I, I'm afraid that people are talking about me at school, I never experienced that simply because whenever there is, um, whenever my name is mentioned in conversation, one of my co-teachers always makes a point right after the conversation to translate whatever was just being said. Um, so I, I get that a lot where they're talking, blah, 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 kide, blah, 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 and then he'll turn to me and be like, oh, this event is happening, or like, you need to move this class, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Sometimes it's overshare. Sometimes they tell me things, and I'm like, oh, thank you. I don't know what to do with this. Do you have a point you'd like to add, Devin? Yeah, so I wish mine was that courteous. Like, I, I think the thing that sent me over the tipping point the other day, uh, one of the subject teachers or um like regular grade teachers came in and she was asking my co-teachers the other English teachers that I work with so basically the only other teachers who speak English in the building I mean there are some I think for all of us who outside of the English teachers that speak yeah, course, some definitely. English yeah. but for the majority those are the two that I communicate the most with mm -hmm. and they have the most English English um, ability and started asking them about me while I was in the room and then proceeded to have a whole conversation with them one at a time like with one co-teacher asking them questions about me and then they were talking and then came over to the other teacher and then was talking about me uh asking questions but did not ask me any questions and she speaks a little bit of English not like great but more than I speak Korean and then no one thought hey maybe we should include her in this conversation or let her know what was going on so to me that just presented as really mm. uh I don't know it just made me feel really uncomfortable and upset because I think I think anybody would feel upset if you know that somebody's sitting there talking about you and you have no control or even idea of what is being said I think it's that lack of control or even understanding for me that just made it so uncomfortable mm. I don't know I don't think that they went out of their way to make me feel that way I think I would do better with kind of knowing what was being said negative or positive rather than just not knowing because then your mind automatically goes to that negative space I think so I think that's where my practice of wanting to learn Korean has been, like, kicked into overdrive. I've been definitely slacking on it, but now I'm kind of like, okay, well, I can either confront these feelings or I can learn it and actually know what's going on for myself. But I know that you, Mackenzie, you've, how long have you been studying Korean? So not as, not as much as people think. So, uh, I came to Korea last June, yeah, June, 
And I genuinely only started learning Korean to prepare for that trip because I knew I would be here for a long time. So this was a huge, just globetrotting trip that me and one of my best friends took. We went to Dublin, we went to Prague, and then we did Japan and Korea for extended amounts of time. We did a couple of weeks in Japan, a few weeks in Korea. So she tackled Japanese and I tackled Korean. Um, so I studied for, yeah, right? (laughs) Divide and conquer. I studied for a couple of months before I came to Korea. I learned Hangul. I learned a lot of like, you know, hello, goodbye, please, thank you. Um, how to order food, things like that. And I just really enjoyed it. I found it was really sticking. Um, I liked it a lot. So I really kept with it through that trip. Um, so I studied pretty diligently for about, about four-ish months and then like barely studied until it was like time to come here again and kind of threw myself back into it and tried to practice as much as possible. So all in all I would give myself about like six solid months of studying the language. I don't speak it super well by any means but I'm really comfortable with texting people and I will say my listening has gotten better since moving here but Ooh, I thought I was going to be studying, like, every day. I thought I was going to be going to classes and, like, really, really seriously tackling the language. I studied French in college, and I really didn't pick up the language that well until I studied abroad. And then it just, like, in the six months I was there, like, oh, my fluency, like, quadrupled. I thought that was going to happen in Korea. But it really hasn't. Um, I would say that's kind of, like, The reality that's been the biggest letdown for me is that I just haven't been like, it's something I have control over too, but I really haven't been putting myself out there and studying as much as I should. But with my future plans and stuff and me trying to stay in the country a little bit longer, um, I think I'll start studying a bit more. That's what I was going to say. Do you think it kind of comes down to, whereas before you knew your expiration date, so you had like this set window of time to learn... (laughs) Whereas here, it's a little... I mean, it's it's definitely like you have a window that you know you want to stay for, but it's less constricted. Do you think that might have something to do with it? Um, That definitely could, because I totally have had that thought process of January, I will register for classes, like I'll totally start taking it seriously. At the same time, though, it also has to do with the fact that if I really do want to practice speaking Korean, I'm gonna have to consistently speak with people, which is a lot harder to do than just going to a restaurant or going to a grocery store and just having that one-off conversation with the adashi behind the counter. I've noticed my Korean is way better when I'm in a taxi talking to a taxi driver that I'm never gonna see again because what do I have to lose if I mess up this conversation? Whereas when it comes to the teachers at my school, um, I'm just a lot more flustered and nervous when it comes to speaking Korean. I think that that's what it would boil down to is like, these aren't just, yeah, these aren't just one-off, like, who cares what this person thinks of my Korean? This is like, oh, if I mess up this Korean, like, they're going to think I just suck at the language. They're never going to want to speak to me in it again. Like, they're just going to speak English to me. Because they just write you off. People in France did that all the time. So um, that was kind of like, I think that's just kind of like a subconscious concern I have that I really just, I got to get over it. And it's kind of funny because at the beginning, they definitely knew that I understood well, but now they don't at all. (laughs) They've completely forgotten that I speak the language. I think my practice has gone 
the same way as yours. I've definitely been slacking on it, but I don't have the backup to fall on that I actually kind of had some beforehand, some acquisition. I had like Hungle, like the alphabet before I got here, not even fully. And then now I have the alphabet fully, so I'll, I can read like a kindergartner. Like I have to like sound every letter out, every syllable out. It's really interesting. Like I'm sitting there today reading my kids' names and I'm like, Kim... Minji, Kim Minji, okay, <laughs> and they're like helping me sound, and I'm like, just give me a second, they're rushing me through faster, and they're like saying it, and I'm like, no, I can do it, just let me read it, but um, at the same time, like, no vocabulary, like, hello, thank you, goodbye, very basic, I have my friend coming, and she's kind of, she sort of freaked out, she was like, so how do you live, and I was like, I mean, I have survival Korean and a translator. Um, as far as learning Korean, I definitely had the same mindset as you, Mackenzie, where I was like, I'm going to teach myself Korean before I go, and yeah. it's going to be great. And I learned the alphabet over the summer, and I was picking up small, random vocabulary. Um, coming here, yeah, it's definitely like a whole new world. Like, I think you're the most proactive out of all of us, though. Well, definitely. yeah, I do... <laughs> I do go to classes twice a week. I have been slacking these past two weeks, but um, circumstances. Yeah. So Life happens. Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah, but I, I go to class twice a week, and I study on the weekends, and I actually practice the questions, the very awkward questions that I learn in class. So I go to work, and I'm like, what did you do last week? <laughs> and, you ask those to people? Yeah, I ask, my, I ask the teachers at my school, and they find it so amusing. And they, like, sit down, and they answer, and they give me new vocabulary, so it's, it's really great. All right, ladies, I think we have come to the end of our time. We all have to teach tomorrow morning. Oh my goodness. So we will be back next week with a new episode, and we hope to come and bring you a new episode every week. To be decided. Yeah. To be decided. <laughs> We're gonna do that <laughs> We'll do it. We have so much to tell, yes. ladies. So we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Bye.